Hey, this is Josh Davis. I'm the pastor at Grace Point Fellowship, and this is our podcast. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so we can get you these messages every single week. We're thrilled to be able to share this weekend's message with you. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Today, we're going to be diving into a new series called Keep the Change. It's a topic that most people are a little bit uncomfortable with money. Money's one of those things that when you start to talk about it, right, it can make you squirm in your seats. You start checking your watch, like, oh, we're talking about money. And it's a little bit uncomfortable for people. But here's the thing how we spend our money often determines how we live. How we spend our money often determines how we live. Have you ever felt that freak out moment when somebody brings up money in conversation and all of a sudden you're like, oh shoot, we're talking about money today. Oh, I don't want to talk about money in this circle with these people. Like, I don't know if it's just me, but I've totally felt that way. Money can be a very uncomfortable topic for, for people to talk about. It's like this, this taboo subject that people don't like to talk about. We'd rather just avoid it altogether. So we really don't talk a whole lot about it. But money, it's more than bills, it's more than coins. Understand that, all right? Uh, Money's a powerful tool. It's a powerful tool that when you manage it wisely, it can be used for God's glory, and it can be used to honor God and to serve others. Now I get it. Money's complicated. It can be like trying to put a puzzle together without having all the puzzle pieces for some people. I understand that not everybody is a numbers person. Money can be challenging for a lot of people. But the good news is you don't have to navigate the complexity of money alone. And so no matter where you're at on your financial journey, whether you're swimming in abundance or you're beginning to tighten your belt as you move into the new year, I want you to know that it's possible to honor God with your money. The title of the message today is Coins and Choices. Coins and Choices. I want to talk with you today on how to take charge of your money. Imagine with me for a moment that you had a million dollars, that I gave you a million dollars, but that meant that tomorrow you were going to die. Which one are you going to take? You're going to choose to give up the million dollars because you'd rather have your life. It's a reminder for us that life is more valuable than any amount of cash. Now, if I were to say, take that same million dollars, give it to you, but it meant that you were going to be sick the rest of your life, most people are probably going to choose their health and they're going to forego that million dollars. Health suddenly, it becomes more precious than money. Now, we could take that same million dollars and if I told you that I'll give you that million dollars but it means that your mom or your mother-in-law is going to pass away tomorrow, some of you are like, give me the million dollars right now. (laughs) Don't do that, okay? No matter what you think about people, not okay. There are others, you're like, there's no way. I would never trade a million dollars for the life of my mom, right? Relationships prove to me more valuable than any amount of wealth. So here's the question then. Why are we letting something less valuable than life, something less valuable than health and relationships control us? Why are we letting money control us? Money, it acts like a magnifying glass. See, money makes you more of what you already are. Money makes you more of what you already are. It magnifies the good, and the bad gets cast a bright light to see all of it. 
if you've got a temper, watch out when you get some money because you may become a tyrannical lunatic. On the flip side of it, if, you, if you're a generous person and you happen to get some money, you'll probably become a great philanthropist impacting lots of communities and making an incredible difference with the money, the resources that God allows you to manage. So how can we ensure that money doesn't control us, but instead we use it to magnify the good? We use it to, to navigate the crazy aspects of people's life. I read an article last week. It said that 78% of consumers who make $50,000 a year or, uh, excuse me, $50,000 a year and 65% of those earning between $50,000 and $100,000 were living paycheck to paycheck in July. Both of those statistics were up from a year ago. That same article said that some 70% of Americans admit to being stressed out financially. So many people live under the financial stress. They live under it throughout the entirety of their lives. You need to understand this and know this today, that living under financial stress is not God's plan for your life. So often people live with this stress because what happens is they ignore the principles that God has for their finances. So I'm going to share four principles today, four biblical money principles that God gives, four biblical money principles that, that God gives for you and, and for me to follow. Did you know that Jesus talked more about finances than just about anything else? Why would Jesus talk so much about finances and all of his teaching? I think it's because we spend so much of our time stressing about it. We spend so much of our time being anxious about it. And yet you look at Jesus and the things that Jesus teaches. Jesus teaches us how to save. He teaches us how to invest. He teaches us how to spend. He teaches us how to protect our money. He gives us these principles because principles create purpose. Principles in your life create purpose. They create purpose for your financial goals. They create purpose for your spending, purpose for your saving, purpose for your life. When you make the choice to live by God's plan for your finances, your life will be blessed. But if you choose to ignore these principles, there's a good chance that you're going to live your life financially stressed, dealing with the anxiety that comes from it, living in debt, facing financial challenges. I remember a couple years ago, uh, I blew out my knee and had complete reconstructive knee surgery. I blew my ACL, meniscus, all that good stuff was torn to pieces. And so I had to go in and have surgery. And, and to re build the strength in that leg was challenging it was terrible physical therapy is awful like I loved my physical therapist he was great but my goodness did he make me hurt to rebuild the strength from that leg that muscle that had atrophied over the months of not using it because of the tear in my ACL I had to put a ton of work in to strengthen everything back and it was painful it hurt it wasn't easy but I was committed to it I could have just given up and not really done all of it, but I wanted to get back to running. I wanted to get back to being able to lift weights again. And so I had to go through the pain, go through the challenge of daily showing up to do my exercises, to do basic things at the beginning. It was challenging. I didn't want to do it, but I knew that if I wanted to get to a certain place, I had to do it. And so I invested in it. You don't have to live by these principles I'm going to share with you today. 
That's why I titled the message Coins and Choices. You have the choice. You don't have to do with what I'm going to share from Scripture for you to do today. It's your choice. But if you choose to live by them, you'll be blessed. You'll have less stress, less anxiety in your life, and you'll begin to be able to live in a state of financial freedom. I believe in these principles because these are principles that Audrey and I have chosen to live by, and we've seen the blessing of God in our lives by living by these biblical principles. Now, I understand that there are some of you that are in the room today, some of you that are listening online, that are in a state of financial hardship. I understand that life is difficult, and at the end of the service, we're going to pray for you, those that are, that are struggling financially. And I want you to understand that God loves to do financial miracles. God loves to do miracles. He loves to do financial miracles. But he's not going to do miracles if you don't change the way that you manage your money. Because blessing follows obedience. Why would he bless you? Why would he bail you out if you're not going to follow the plans that he's laid out? You look at scripture and there are about 2,500 scriptures throughout the course of the Bible that talk about money, that talk about how to handle possessions that Jesus has. God cares a lot about how we manage his stuff for his purposes, his way, for his glory. He cares about how we steward the things that we've been given. What does the Bible have to say about money? It's all in here. The detailed instructions that that God gives us for money are right here laid out in our Bible. The thing is, you got to actually open it and read it. You got to actually, you can't just carry it around. You got to open it. You got to read it. You got to spend time with it. So let's talk about four things that the Bible says. Four things the Bible says that you should do with your money. And if you do them consistently over a period of time, you're going to get results that will blow your mind. But you've got to be consistent with it. Because let me just tell you, if you plant corn, if you plant corn, don't be shocked when corn grows. When you plant corn, don't be shocked when corn grows. The Bible says, as you sow, so you shall reap. If you plant and you wait on the government, don't be surprised if you end up with mud at the end of your harvest season you're in charge of the planting god's in charge of the sunshine and the rain so here's the first principle for you plan your spending plan your spending the first thing is have a written plan in the financial world they call this a budget and there are some of you that hear that word and you start covering your ears because budget is a four-letter word But here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 14. He says, For which of you intended to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish it. Don't build a tower without counting the cost. Zig Ziglar, he used to say this. He said, If you aim at nothing, you will hit every." time if you aim at nothing you'll hit every time a budget at its core is simply just planned spending a budget at its core is telling your money where you want it to go instead of wondering where it went because there are times if you don't have a budget you don't plan your spending that you sit and you look at the end of the month and you're like where did everything go i was planning on doing this and this this month and there's nothing in my account 
Where did it go? A budget is just telling your money where you want it to go. Winning in your finances, winning in life is an intentional act. We're getting near Super Bowl season, all right? The NFL playoffs start next week. And as the the Super Bowl happens, I've never come across, in all the years I've watched the Super Bowl, I've never come across a reporter who asked a, a, a winning quarterback this question. So how'd you do it? How did you, how did you guys, how did you accomplish this? And I've never heard somebody respond, you know, I don't know. We just got off the bus this morning and it just happened. I've never heard that response. Why? Because it takes intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes dedicated hard work. These guys commit years and years of investment into their craft in order to be as skilled as they are to be able to do what they want to do. It takes decades of developing that to get to the accomplishment of winning. No one grows accidentally. It takes investment. It takes diligence. So plan something. Control the process. Control the things in your financial life that are controllable. Write it down. Thank you, Lord, that I've got a plan. Lord, thank you that you've got this. I'm going to manage your stuff. It's in Scripture. We're going to do this, and we're going to live out this plan, and I'm going to follow this budget and watch as it changes things. Proverbs 21 says, stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. That's pretty clear. And I'm not even the one saying stupid people. That's what scripture says. Stupid people spend their money as fast as they get it. It's not just planning a budget. It's actually choosing to live by your budget. See, I've come across a lot of people that have a budget and they never look at it again. Well, I created my budget. I just don't know what's in the budget. I created it about two years ago and I've never touched it since. Create a spending plan and then live by that spending plan. Living on a budget is telling your money where you want it to go. Proverbs 21 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity. The Bible says if you want God to bless your finances, then you need a budget. Then you need to plan your spending. And when you plan your spending, it can help you stay out of bad debt. Bad debt looks like credit cards. It it looks like personal loans for non-essential items. It it looks like unpaid utility bills. Some people with their five, $700 auto bills, like their auto loans, it looks like the buy now, pay later. Those are bad debt. And when you have a spending plan, it helps you stay away from that. See, part of a spending plan is setting up a repayment plan. Part of a spending plan is actually trying and working your way to get out of debt. And there are some of you that need to get out of debt. There are some of you that are here today, some of you that are listening at another time that need to get out of debt. And here's the thing, you got to understand this though, that you didn't get into debt overnight, which means it's very unlikely that you're going to get out of debt overnight. It means you've got to put the work in. You've got to invest. You've got to keep saving. You've got to keep tithing. You've got to tell yourself, I'm going to plan enough so I have enough for now and so that I'll leave a legacy in the future. Proverbs 3.27 says, don't withhold repayment of your debts. Romans 13.8 says, let no debt remain outstanding. What does it mean to let a debt remain outstanding? It means don't just pay the minimums on your credit card payment. Because if you're paying $25 on a $2,000 credit card payment or a $10,000 credit card payment, all you're doing is getting further and further into debt. 
That debt continues to grow deeper each month. This verse, it says, let no debt remain outstanding. My goal, my hope, and my prayer is that you will be able to live debt-free and get out of the financial pressures, the financial challenges, so you don't have stress, you don't have the anxiety that finances bring in your life. The second principle is one that, that can surprise some people. The second principle is foster high-quality relationships. Foster high-quality relationships. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Did you know that who you hang out with is who you become? Studies have shown that your 10 closest friends over the next decade, you'll typically be within 10 to 15% of the income of your 10 closest friends. Now, before you get too far down a road, some of you are like, well, I need some new friends then. Maybe, maybe not. Because the same principle applies that when we send our child down to little Johnny's house down the street, and little Johnny, who's doing drugs and selling drugs and all that stuff, and then all of a sudden our kid comes back selling drugs, doing drugs, starts talking with a foul mouth, and you look and you're like, we don't talk like that in our house. Where did that come from? Oh, who are we spending time with? It's important to foster high-quality relationships. You become who you hang around with. Do not be deceived by evil company. It corrupts good habits. So guess what? If you hang out with generous people, it's probably pretty likely that you're going to become a more generous person. You hang out with people that read their Bible, you might actually pick up your Bible every once in a while and start reading your Bible. If you hang out with men who respect their wives, you're probably going to become a guy who respects his wife. It's important who we hang out with matters. There's a reason I choose men that are in my life to, to spend time with, to invest in, who are of like mind, who are thinking the same thing, people who are, are along the same thoughts, who are helping me in my spiritual journey, who are helping me in my generosity, who are helping me in my leadership, who are helping me as a pastor, people who are pouring into me. There's a select people that I've piled with in my friend group that are doing this. We become who we hang out with. Who are the people that you're, are in your circle? Men, ladies, who are the people that are in your circle? Connect groups are starting. What an incredible opportunity to get around some like-minded people. Some people who are thinking similar stuff. People who can pour into you. Join a connect group if you're not in one. Guys, we've got a Bible study on Tuesday mornings called Band of Brothers. Banding together. Guys coming together. Ladies, there's women's Bible study on Tuesdays as well. There's people. There's groups throughout the week. Get involved. High-quality relationships are important. Principle number three. Save and invest. Save and invest. If you don't have any payments and you have a plan, you're going to want to begin to save. You look at Scripture, and many of Jesus' parables, he talks about investing. He talks about saving. Jesus says that the man who invests his money is wise, and the man who doesn't is a fool. Why? Because when I invest my money, my money works for me instead of me working for the money. Some people will spend their entire lives working for money instead of having their money work for them. When you're sleeping, your money can be working for you. God wants you to save a portion of your money. 
there's a, a, a man named John D. Rockefeller. Most people are familiar with who John D. Rockefeller is. He was the owner of Standard Oil way back in the day. He was the, the, the modern-day uh, Elon Musk, the modern-day Jeff Bezos, Bill Gates. He was one of the richest men of his time. And John D. Rockefeller, he was asked this question. He was asked, how did you get so wealthy? How did you get it all? What's your secret? And this is what he said. He said, I tithe 10%, I save 10%, and I live on the other 80%. He called it the 10-10-80 principle. If you can't afford to save, church, you are outspending your income. If you can't afford to save, you're spending too much. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to get into prosperity until you learn to do these things of saving on a regular basis. Proverbs chapter 13 says, money that comes easily disappears quickly, but money that is gathered little by little will grow. There was a study that was done of lottery winners, and lottery winners get a ton of money real quickly, right? What the study showed and what the study found is that lottery winners, these people who had got a ton of money in a giant lump sum, were back struggling five years later, broke five years after they had gotten this incredible amount of money because they didn't have the habits. They weren't disciplined in building step by step. That's the key. It's not about necessarily the amount that's saved that's important. It's about consistently saving weekly, monthly, save consistently. I started saving for my retirement when I was 22 years old after I got my first job in college because one of the best modern miracles is the miracle of compounding interest. Your money working for you. If, if you ignore these principles of the Bible, if you ignore God's principles, you won't get God's blessing. If you do it God's way, it says that you'll be blessed. Now, I, I want to preface this because you might be hearing a little bit of what people may call the prosperity gospel. You do this, you do this, and then you get. Uh, I'm not saying we're doing this to get because here's the thing. All of us are conduits. We're conduits of blessing because principle number four is this. It leads you to a position to be incredibly generous, to be incredibly generous. We are conduits. We are conduits. Every one of us is a conduit. God blesses us. We give to get to give away again. We don't do this stuff. We don't follow these principles just so we can accumulate all of this worldly wealth because the reality is we're not taking it anywhere. You came into the world with nothing. You're leaving with nothing. Everything that we have here has been given to us. God has given it to us to steward it. There's a, there's a parable in the Bible called the parable of the talents where Jesus gives different amounts of money. He says, to whom much is given, much is required. There's, there's a, a, an opportunity for blessing for people that are four-inch conduits. People that are six-inch conduits, they got a lot of blessing flowing through them, which means they got a lot of blessing flowing out. And there are some people, and it's okay, that are half-inch conduit. That's okay. We give to get to give away again. We're not here to, to just follow this just so we can be rich. That's not what this is about. This is about doing what the Bible says, doing what God has asked us to do. Yes, you will be blessed, but when you do this, when you do these things, when you follow these principles, it allows you to be incredibly generous. And I'm not talking about the the holding the door kind of generous. I'm not talking about the, the sharing a smile with somebody. Those are good things. 
It's great to hold the door for somebody, great to smile at somebody. But what I'm talking about here is I'm talking about a generosity that leaves an impact, a lasting impact, a generosity that is not ordinary. But it's tough to be generous if you're struggling financially. If you're struggling to make ends meet, it can be difficult to be generous. I I understand that. But imagine the joy that comes from being at dinner and seeing maybe a single mom or a single dad and being able to pay for their dinner and the opportunity that they have to speak into their kids about what it is to be generous. Imagine the, the joy of somebody standing behind you in the checkout line and you cover the cost of their groceries because you can Because you've been diligent, you've worked hard to save your money, to plan your spending, to pay off your debts. I'm talking about this outrageous, sometimes spontaneous generosity. It could be the opportunity to sponsor somebody tonight to shine. I shared that with you in the video. That video, by the way, the footage that was in there, that wasn't stock footage, just so you know. That was footage of the night to shine that we hosted last year. Pastor Dave's sitting out in the lobby after service. If you're interested and you have the ability to do that right now, you could bless somebody's life, somebody in the special needs community who might not be able to make it to the the prom for Night to Shine, and you could be part of that. How cool would that be? Maybe you can just volunteer your time. You can do that too. There's an incredible opportunity. The joy that comes from being generous with our finances, with our time, there is an incredible amount of joy that comes when we're generous. But here's the thing. You can't do it when you're broke. It's really difficult to be generous when you're broke. But when your home's in order, when your utility bills are paid, you have the opportunity to make a real difference in someone else's life. And scripture tells us, the Bible tells us that God loves a cheerful giver. Not a begrudging giver, not I got to check this off my list, I need to do this. God loves a cheerful giver. A person who understands what I have, what belongs here, really is given by God. God gave it to us. I said, you came into the world with nothing and you're leaving with nothing. So everything we have here was given to us by God to be stewards of the resources that we have. There's an incredible gift of of joy that comes when we're able to give knowing that we have more than enough when we get to take the opportunity to bless someone else when we watch the joy that they receive from being blessed from having their groceries paid from having their meal covered and what an incredible opportunity for you as a parent you as a grandparent to teach your child to teach your grandchild that it's not about getting stuff. We live in a very consumeristic society and it's all about getting, getting, getting. And Jesus says it's not about getting, it's about giving. It's about giving back. Watch their lives be transformed. So here's a challenge for you. Take it or leave it. Take the money that you would go out to dinner with your spouse or with a friend, and instead of using that money for dinner, 100 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever your dinner meal is, use that to bless someone else. And see if you're not filled with more joy 
by giving it away than you would have been by using it for yourself. Remember, if we who are imperfect people are able to give great gifts, think of how much more our Heavenly Father delights in our acts of kindness, in our acts of generosity. The choices we make determine how we spend our coin, determine how we spend our finances. Think about it like a, a friendly roadmap to our wallets, a roadmap to our hearts, so to speak. These principles that God gives us of how to take charge of our money, planning your spending, paying back your debts, having high-quality relationships, saving, being wildly generous. It's like a recipe for having a richer life, not just in money, but in joy and in impact. Picture it as a journey with God where we're intentional. We're intentional about the choices that we make. Uh, if you're struggling today with finances, and, or maybe even you're just looking to learn a little bit more, we have a class that's beginning uh, this coming Wednesday night. It's a four-week class. It's every other Wednesday night for four weeks, starting at 6 o'clock. It's a class called Handling Money God's Way. If you're interested in, in taking back control of your finances, write Handling Money on a connection card. There's a, a sign-up sheet out on the Connection Center right behind me. You can write your name down there. Pastor Dave and Tracy Williams, both incredibly wise people in the area of finances, are leading this, this class, giving of their time, their wisdom to help people learn how to handle money God's way, how to take back control of their finances. So if that's something that you might be interested in, please make sure that you don't miss out on that. It's an opportunity to help you, help you be able to live less stressed, less anxious, be able to take back control so you can have the opportunity to be a blessing to other people, that you can experience that joy of, of giving beyond because you have more than you need. Remember earlier I said it was little by little. It was little by little. It's, it's little steps. It's intentional, direct steps. It's not about having it all right away, but it's taking steps, intentional steps in the right direction. Let's commit. Let's commit to, to, to intentionally investing in financial stewardship and intentionally choosing to honor God's principles for money and then experience the joy of being able to give. Let's make our finances count in our story, in our journey of faith. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we come before you this morning and we say thank you that you've given to us. Uh, there is so much that we have to be grateful for. And uh, God, even, even those that may be struggling, there's plenty to be grateful for today. God, we're grateful that we can gather together in this building without fear, that we can talk about you openly without fear. God, we're grateful for the blessings that we have. But God, right now, I pray for every person, every family, every individual that's struggling this morning financially, that's having a difficult time financially. God, I pray that this message that you've ordained, that you've laid out, this, the principles that are found in Scripture, that they would be a blessing to these people. God, those that are struggling, that are dealing with the stress, the anxiety of living under financial pressure, God, I, I pray that you would help them to take charge. They wouldn't just sit back and just say, well, this is how it is. But God, they would begin to step forward, take intentional steps and in making a change and God, as they make those changes, 
God, I pray that they would be able to see the blessings that begin to unfold in their life. God, I pray for each of us that you would help all of us to continue to follow your principles on how to use our finances. God, that we would be able to honor you with what you've given to us. God, we thank you for that. As we keep praying this morning, maybe you're here today and there's a relationship, not with money that you're missing out on, but there's a relationship with somebody who loves you unconditionally. There's a relationship with God that's missing for you. If you're here today and you want to begin that relationship, you want to take a step into that journey, with heads bowed and eyes closed in a moment, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand simply on the count of three. And what we'll do together is everybody in the room will repeat a prayer together line by line. We don't want to single you out. We don't want to embarrass you. But if you're here today and you're ready to receive a, a relationship that's different than any other relationship that the world has to offer, a relationship of hope, a relationship filled with peace, a relationship filled with blessing, you're ready to take that step today to surrender control of your life to Jesus, the author of life, the perfecter of hope. If that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed, on the count of three, would you just lift your hand this morning and say, Jesus, I'm ready to give up control. I've been doing it my way. It's not working. I'm ready to to do it yours. If that's you today with heads bowed and eyes closed, on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Ready? One, two, three. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Would you pray this prayer with me, church? Dear Jesus, I made plenty of mistakes, and you still love me. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for paying the penalty for my sin so that I could live with you forever. Today, Jesus, I receive life in you. I give you control. I surrender to you. Thank you for saving me. And thank you for new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we join in with the party in heaven real quick? Well, if you enjoyed today's podcast, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also help us reach others with a life-changing message to Jesus by partnering with us today at mygracepoint.church/give. And thanks again for joining us on the My Grace Point podcast.